Okay, well, good morning to y'all. Again, a happy Father's Day to you. <laughs> Today, uh, once again, we're going to continue our study of the book of Genesis, and uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 12, verses 1 through 9 again. When you find chapter 12, would you please stand for reading God's word? Okay, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I'll make of you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again we thank you. Lord, thank you for your word that we have been blessed again to hear read. And we ask for your blessing now on the proclamation and the hearing. Lord, I ask that you enable me to speak and deliver the message that you would have delivered. And I ask that you make all of us good hearers attentive to your word, your truth. And we ask that you make it effective in our hearts so that we are forever and continually changed by it. Just as Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Paul says in Romans that faith comes by hearing. So, Father, we pray in this hearing increase our faith by that I mean Lord increase our trust in you may we be like Enoch and Noah and walk with you may we seek to follow the example of our Savior and seek to please you in all that we do Lord, may you, by the right apprehension of your truth and by the right application of your truth, and by our love for your truth that you even have created within us, may you and all these things be honored. May your name be exalted. And all these things we ask Praying in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, um, we looked at this passage. Actually, actually, we started further back in, uh, in chapter 11. But we read through this passage, and I did talk about it. And uh, we talked about how God was creating a people, a nation of worshipers. Um, and I told you then that probably we were going to come back to it because uh, there were some things that I, I felt like I had to kind of uh, skim over for the sake of time, and so I, just, I wanted to come back to them and, and deal with them a little bit more. And so, Lord willing, that's what I'm going to attempt to do this morning. And specifically, or at least where, where I guess the, the, the most of the focus is going to be is on verse 3 and on verse 7. Um, these proclamations, first of all in verse 3, uh, and we'll read down a little bit again and come back to this, but let me just give you part of it, uh, the, the main part of it now. In verse, the second part of verse 3, in you, that is in, Abra- in Abram, God, God speaking to Abram, who would later become Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then a little further down in, uh, in verse 7, or actually the, the second part of that verse as well, the Lord says, to your offspring, or seed, literally, your, some translations will say that, to your offspring I will give this land. Again, spoken to Abraham or Abram. So, first of all, um, in, your, in you, rather, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, and then to your offspring or seed I will give this land. So, keep those... Um, things in mind as we move through here, and that's that's what we'll um, primarily be trying to, to focus our our attention on. I'm going to um, try to just kind of break this down simply. Um, let's go back to, to verse one um, again, and I want to read again verses one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will." Show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay. So. Here, and I put a little title in the, in the uh, bulletin this morning, um, Blessed um, with Abraham. Blessed with Abraham. And, of course, I'm, I'm drawing that from Galatians 3, which is also printed in the bulletin. Um, so then, those who believe are blessed along with Abraham, the believer. Those who believe, and that's coming from the New English translation, those who believe are blessed along with Abraham, the believer. So, of course, the gist of that is that God blessed Abraham and we are blessed along with Abraham. In fact, uh, just a, a kind of summary sentence here for main point. God promises an inheritance to Abram's descendants. That's, that's going to be the heart of the blessing, right? Or you could say it this way. You could think of those things as two things. Um, God promises blessing and an inheritance, but but they're inseparable. 
Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit as distinct, but, but they're inseparable. They, they go together. God promises blessing and an inheritance to Abraham and his descendants. All right, so first, and we did touch on this a little bit last week, so I'm, I'm going to, um, I, w- I want to mention this again, Abraham's calling, but uh, probably go through it a little bit quicker here this morning. First, Abraham is called, and in, in, in terms of the inheritance, think of it this way. He's, he's called out of one land into another land. And ironically, uh, before we get through these verses here, we find that Abraham is in the land that he's called to, but as a stranger, as a sojourner. So even though God is giving him the land, he's giving it to him in the form of promise. Abram will not um, uh, realize ownership, I guess you could say, at, at at this present time. It's something God's promising him the land, but it will be his descendants that, uh, that inherit it. Okay? But for now, in terms of his calling, he's calling him out of one land and into another land. And this is, and I think I did mention this last week as well, but this is a sovereign call. Now, all of these things are going to have application for us in terms of the gospel, and we'll get to that in a moment. But this is a sovereign call. Or you could say Abram is sovereignly called by God. The best we can tell from the records we have here, Abraham, or Abram at this point, um, he, was a, he was a resident of, of uh, Ur, of the Chaldees, uh, which today is uh, Iraq. He, that's where he was from. That's where he lived. It was a pagan land. And best we can tell by the record we have, Abram was himself involved in pagan worship. And uh, we got record of that in, in Scripture, and uh, at least it seems to, uh, seems to imply that in Joshua 24.2. In fact, I'll, I'll read that again. Joshua 24.2. And this is important because as, uh, as Paul will make the case in the New Testament, Abram's right standing, or Abraham's right standing before God, is not based on his works. In other words, it wasn't that God singled him out because he was good or because he was doing something good. It was totally by grace. And this is certainly evidence of that. So in Joshua 24, 2, Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. And, of course, we know not only from uh, biblical testimony, but uh, even from uh, other testimony outside the Bible that, uh, that it was a pagan land. And so the uh, implication is this. They were idolaters. Idolaters living in a land of idolatry. When God called them. When God called Abram, he was an idolater living in a land, among idolaters and in a land given over to idolatry. So this is a a sovereign act of God's grace, not owing to anything that Abraham has done, 
not even owing to some kind of foreseen potential that he, that he uh, has inherently, but just based on God's sovereign will. God decides in His grace to create a nation of worshipers who would be called out of darkness, you know, out of idolatry, to worship the true and living God. And he begins to make this happen with this one man, Abram. And so he comes to him there in Ur of the Chaldees in some form. We're not told uh, exactly how this call comes, except that the Lord said. That's what he says in verse 1 there. The Lord said. The Lord said. He spoke. He spoke to Abram in the midst of his idolatry and says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, uh, he gives two imperatives here. First one is go or go out. And the second one is in verse 2, the latter part of verse 2, it is be a blessing. Go and be a blessing. So he calls him out of one land, the land of his fathers, his kindred, his father's house, everything that, um, at least up to this point, he, he, uh, he, he loved and, and no doubt was comfortable with. He's called out of that and called to a relationship of blessing with the true and living God. Isn't that not awesome to be an idolater? <laughs> idolater. And to be called by the true God, the living God, to enter into a relationship of blessing and worship to Him, to the true and living God. So, He says, I will, verse 2, I will make you a great nation. God gives these promises. Again, all of grace. Similar, we've already seen this, hadn't we? For example, with, with Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so then God um, delivers Noah from his wrath miraculously. I will, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. There, there it is, the promise of blessing. Abraham is called out of idolatry and into blessing. I will bless you and make your name greater. That can even be translated, I will make you famous. God, God is saying, I'm, I'm going to make you known. I'm going to make you famous. And of course here, it's not um, for some kind of uh, uh, selfish benefit on the part of, of Abraham like we would think of uh, fame today. Uh, it seems to usually be the case. Um, no, but it's the idea, he's, he's going to set Abraham, he's going to make him famous, set him forward as an example of his, God's grace, right? Of God's grace. Abraham's going to be an example of God's grace. He's going to be an example of faith from this point on. One who trusts God, one who walks with God, lives with God, one who's even called the friend of God, and one who lives in a blessed state, enjoying fellowship with God. 
Verse 3, here's, here's a promise of blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. Now, some, some translations will say, I will curse him who curses you, or something along those lines. But there's actually two different words used here in the, in the Hebrew. Um, and the first one just, uh, I thought was interesting, carries the idea of being treated lightly. So, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who treats you lightly, I will curse. I mean, it's, it's the idea of uh, doesn't, or, or esteems you lightly, or doesn't think of you appropriately, doesn't honor you appropriately. And so it's translated sometimes despise or, um, as it is here in the ESV, dishonors or something like that. Him who esteems you lightly, I will curse. It's like he's saying, those who don't take you seriously. Because I'm, because I'm going to make a great nation of you and I'm going to make you famous and you're going to be an example of faith and faithfulness and you're going to be an example of my grace bestowed on a human being. And those who esteem you lightly, I will curse. And in you, and here's our, the first one we were going to focus in on, in you, that is in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's, it's, in terms of blessing, it's kind of a twofold thing, isn't it? He says, I'm, I'm calling you out of your, your own country, everything you're familiar with, your own country, your father's house, and so forth. And I'm calling you into a relationship of blessing with the living God. And here's how it's going to play out. You're going to be blessed. I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to make your name famous. Those who esteem you lightly, I'm going to curse. And those who bless you, I'm going to bless. So you're going to, you're going to be blessed. But then secondly, you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing. Now, um, hopefully I'll come back to this. and want, I'm, I'm going to say this now in case I, uh, you know, to, to avoid forgetting it later. <laughs> in, in case I forget it later. But in, in terms of, uh, you know, thinking about relating this to the gospel, God has always, from the start, had the nations in view. All nations. So when you get to Matthew 28 and Jesus is saying, um, go to, to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. When you get there, when you get to Matthew 28, 18 and 19, you can look back and remember, you know what? God intended this from the start. And it seems like in, as you move through the Old Testament and in the history of the Hebrew people, seems like they did not get that. Right? And uh, sometimes, uh, oddly enough, even though we've, we, we've got it expounded in the New Testament and we've been over and over and over it, oddly enough, it seems like sometimes we don't get that either. That the gospel is for all people and it is to go out to all people. In fact, I was looking in the... Uh, um, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, and that term nations, it, 
in the Greek, they translated it with the word meaning tribes. Tribes, all right? In you, all the tribes of the earth, I said nations, it's families in the ESV. In you, all the families of the earth, or all the tribes of the earth, shall be blessed. That's quite a promise. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and you're going to be a blessing. In fact, you're going to be a blessing to the extent that in you, all the tribes of the earth will be blessed. In fact, um, I think it's safe to say that that, that's an exclusive statement, meaning, meaning that it's not just that Abraham is going to be a blessing to all the tribes of the earth, but, but he's saying that this is the only way in you. In other words, there's, there's not, it's not in you plus, you know, over here and over there and over there, but in you and in you alone, all the tribes of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went. As the Lord had told him, he obeyed, obeyed the Lord. And he started on this journey of faith, leaving everything that he knew, everything that he was loved at one point, and everything that he was comfortable with, and left, the writer of Hebrews tells us, not knowing where he was going, because God didn't give him a lot of information about the land he was going to. You're going to leave your land and go to the land that I give you. Isn't that good? I mean, it's, it's leaving one life behind. Yours, you know, yours. Your land. Leaving your land. And you're going to go to another land that I'm giving you. And I think it's fair to say, even though uh, we'll, we'll see as we move through here, that Abraham was a very wealthy man. God prospered him. But I think it's fair to say, um, since he was living, essentially living the life of a nomad, right, just constantly moving, uh, even, even, we're told, even when he got to Canaan, he was in the land of promise, he was there as a sojourner. It wouldn't be till centuries later that his descendants would take the land. So he was there as a so- sojourner. So I think it's fair to say that the life that he was going to be moving into would not be as comfortable. That's for obvious reasons, right? Because anytime you leave home, I mean, you may have a great time, <laughs> but you leave some comforts behind, uh, some conveniences, and things just aren't what you're used to. And oddly enough, it's, it seems like that the Bible teaches us that that's pretty much the way a Christian ought to feel in this world. And I mean, it's true there's one sense. There's one sense in which you can go anywhere in the world and you ought to have a, you ought to have a certain level of, of, of security, comfort, uh, feeling at home, just because it all belongs to your Heavenly Father, right? <laughs> in the... Uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson in the Civil War, once when a, uh, one of his men noticed that in the, in the heat of battle he was sitting upright on his horse as lead is flying everywhere. And the soldier later asked him, um, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that in the middle of battle when 
you know, cannonballs and rifle shots are flying all over the place, and you just sit up there on your horse. You look like you're, you know, there's no fear. And General uh, Jackson answered and said, Son, my faith teaches me that I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am in my own bed. And that's the way a Christian ought to feel in any situation. Because the whole universe belongs to our Father, right? So yeah, there's a sense in which we, we can have a certain level of security and comfort and uh, maybe uh, sort of feeling at home anywhere that we go. But there's another sense in which as long as we're in this world, we're not home. And that's, again, it's true no matter where we are. So you, you could be a thousand miles from here in a country you've, you've never been in before, or you could be in the same spot that you've lived in all your life, maybe 40, 50, 60, 80 years, and there ought to be, a, there ought to be a, 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 some sense of not feeling at home, not belonging, feeling like a stranger in a foreign land. Now, I think that's helpful because if you watch the news and you're starting to feel uncomfortable, then we, we can just say as Christians, that's the way it's always been for the church. That's the way it's always been for God's people. We're just starting, perhaps, we're just starting to experience something that the church has experienced, for the most part, for two millennia. We're strangers in a foreign land. But, at the same time, with that, there should be no insecurity. Because, if, I mean, if we're like Abraham, if we're living a life of faith, we're following God wherever He leads. And sometimes, yes, sometimes that's uncomfortable. But it's always good for us. We do believe Romans 8.28, right? <laughs> Oh, God, God works all things together for good. For those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose, right? So Abraham went as God commanded him. Now, you get down to verse 6. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem. Now, here he is going through uh, the, the land that God is going to promise to him. To the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Now, that's just a little um, uh, uh, note by uh, Moses there who, who uh, authored this. And uh, you think about it, as uh, I mean, we've mentioned this before, you think about um, Moses' readers reading this in the day, uh, his contemporaries reading this when he wrote it. He gives these little notes, right? So let them know. In that day, the Canaanites were living there. By the way, this is all going to be encouragement for them, the people of the Jews of, of uh, Moses' day, right? Because, I mean, they've been wandering in the wilderness and they're about to go in and take the promised land. And so they can look back on people like Noah and, and Abraham and see how God delivered on His promises, see how God brought them through hardship. And it's encouragement for them, and it's encouragement for us as well. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this 
land. To your offspring I will give this land. So, God promises blessing. Come out from your home, your country, your, your father's house, the land of your kindred, to a land that I'm going to give to you, and I will bless you. I will bless you. You will be blessed, and you will be a blessing. In fact, in you, all the tribes of the earth will be blessed. And now he promises an inheritance. To your offspring, or your translation may say seed, literally it's seed, to your seed I will give this land. Or it may translate descendants. Descend to your descendants, to your offspring, to your seed, I will give this land. So he's promised to bless Abraham. Now Abraham gets to the land of Canaan, and the Lord basically says, okay, here you are, you see this land, it's going to be yours. Later, um, it's spoken of as a land flowing with milk and honey, right? It's, it's a good inheritance. I know um, I've, I've not actually been over there. Of course, uh, uh, you know, you can obviously you can see pictures online or in dictionaries or talk to people who've been there. Um, and you might think, uh, you know, to me it looks like kind of a desert place. <laughs> But, uh, but it's, it was a good, a good land, a good inheritance. And God says, I'm going to give it to you. Now, they were already inhabitants, so I mean, God, what God is saying is, I'm, I'm, you're going to wind up taking this over. Your offspring's going to inherit this land. This will be your inheritance. So, Abram is called out of the land of, adult, of idolatry. And by the way, you notice this, this whole account, uh, I mean, is coming shortly after, you know, right, after, right on the heels of uh, the account of the Tower of Babel, which was in that same general area that, got, that Abram is getting called out of. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's a land known for its, its uh, idolatry, paganism. So God says, I'm going to call you out of that into a land that I give you. You're going to be blessed and you're going to inherit this land. In fact, again, the way it's worded here, your seed or your offspring will inherit this land. Now, Abraham, and here's the, here's the short form of the, the story for Abraham, and we're, we'll, Lord willing, we're going to continue to talk about this because as we move through um, the next few chapters, especially uh, now through chapter 17, um, God is going to be... Um, giving a little more revelation on these things. He's going to be reiterating these, these promises and shoring them up by ratifying a covenant with Abraham. So we're going to get more opportunity to talk about that. But here's the shard of it. Abraham followed God's Word. He obeyed God's Word and followed after Him, seeking a better country than the one that he left behind. Right? The one that God is promising. The one that God is promising to give him. And he went, he did that on faith. In other words, he just trust, trusted God. He did what God 
said by following Him. Now, let's, let's make a little gospel application here. Because what we're seeing here in these passages is the gospel being preached to Abraham. That's exactly what the New Testament says. The gospel was preached to Abraham. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news, right? That's what the term means. And when we use the term, the gospel, what we mean, the the scriptural meaning, is the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. And you have to wonder... How much of this, and you know, Jesus, Jesus later says in John 8, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And I've often wondered, uh, you know, exactly, exactly when was that? You know, did, did, Abram, did Abraham, like at, at this point, begin to, did God give him understanding and he began to understand that these things were, were pointing toward the Messiah and rejoice in them? Um, maybe it was later when when Isaac came along, right, and and these things began to become real to him. Maybe it was maybe it was later than that when when Jesus actually came on the scene, and somehow Abraham in glory saw, wow, this is the fulfillment. God becomes flesh and dies for the sins of his people. Well, I don't know exactly the answer to that, but at some point, as, as Jesus said, Abraham saw and understood. So all these things, all of these things that are happening here in the life of Abraham, the promises of blessing, the promise of, of an inheritance, they are proclamations of what is going to take place in the person of Jesus Christ. The good news about Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians 3. And uh, while you do that, we've, we've been looking um, pretty hard at Romans 4 in our Sunday school class. And it's dealing with this same thing. In both places, Romans 4 and Galatians 3, Paul is, is making the point that we are put in right relationship to God by faith. By faith. Not by works. Not by, not by keeping the Mosaic Law, for example. Not by keeping any law. Not by anything inherent in ourselves or accomplished by ourselves. But we are put right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's an act of grace. Just, just like we're talking about Abraham, we are called... In fact, I don't know if we'll have time this morning to go there, but, uh, but in First Peter... Peter uses the same terminology, speaks of us as being called. He, he calls the church the elect. He calls us exiles because we were like, we're like Abraham, you know, wanderers, sojourners in a foreign land. And then he uh, talks about the inheritance that we are called to in Christ. All right? So um, in Romans 4 and Galatians 3, Paul is, is making the point that we are put right with God through faith. In Jesus Christ. Not through any works of our own, but by trusting 
God. Now, in Romans 4, he's primarily dealing with uh, Genesis 15, and I'm probably not going to have time <clears throat> to really go there this morning. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, let's go to Galatians 3 and uh, look, at, look at a little bit of this. Galatians 3. Now let me start with verse uh, 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, the point there is um, we receive salvation. The blessings of God are here in particular. He's talking about uh, miracles that God is doing among the Galatians by faith. And then then he draws this parallel. Just as Abraham believed or he had faith or he trusted God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Paul is referring to Genesis 15, 6 there. So, Lord willing, we're going we're to have more opportunity to expound on that. But the bottom line is, uh, again, we, we are made right with God by trusting Him. It's through faith. We're saved by grace, right? Ephesians 2. Saved by grace through faith. So, it's a sovereign act of God's grace that He would call us unto Himself. And the way that we appropriate His promises, the way that we realize the blessedness of knowing God and the inheritance that He promises to us is through faith in Jesus Christ. Know then, Galatians 3, 7, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. That's important. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. That sound familiar? In you shall all the nations be blessed. That's from Genesis 12. So the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, or the nations, by faith. Again, his point is not by works, but by faith. The Scripture, foreseeing that, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. So, and you can take that as, you know, the Scripture preached the gospel, or God, uh, through Scripture, God preached the gospel. Uh, in fact, um, down in verse 14 when he says, uh, so that we might receive the promised Spirit, that, could, that can also be translated the, the promise of the Spirit. Um, so, the promise that the Spirit made to Abraham, we, like Abraham, receive by faith. So here it is again, verse 8. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying... And here's, so here's how, here's how God made the gospel known to Abraham in his day. In you shall all the nations be blessed. And remember what we said earlier. Abraham is not only going to be blessed, but he's going to be a blessing 
through all the tribes of the earth, right? And that's what Paul's picking up on here. He's saying that God's salvation from the beginning was intended to go to all nations, not, not just the Jews, although it did start there. God determined to create a nation of worshipers. And the way that that first manifested in the Old Testament was through Him creating the nation of Israel. And they were set apart among all nations as true worshipers because they worshiped the true God. So while all the nations around them were engaged in idolatry, all forms of paganism, here was this tiny group of people, the Jews, the Hebrews, children of Abraham, right? D- directly through, through Isaac and Jacob. Israel. And they were set apart to worship the true God. And what Paul is picking up on here is that, yes, that's where it started, but from the beginning, the intention was always that all nations would come into worship the true God. And so, when the Spirit of God spoke to Abraham and said, in you all nations will be blessed, what he's saying is, you're the means through which all nations will be will know the blessings of God or receive the inheritance promised. So then, verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, how are the blessings realized? How, it's through faith. That's, what, that's Paul's whole point here. So, those who believe, or those who are of faith, are blessed along with Abraham. God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, promised to bless him. And Paul says, if you believe, you're blessed along with faithful Abraham, or Abraham the man of faith. Now, let's go down a little further. Um, uh, let's see. Can't go too far, I guess. Let, verse, um, verse 11. Now, it is evident that no one is justified. And again, when you see that term, think about being put in right relationship to God. The idea is you're declared just or declared right or declared righteous because we're separated from God by our sin. So when we talk about justification or being justified, that is God declaring us essentially not guilty. So that problem of being separated by sin is taken away and we are put into right relationship with God. So Paul says in verse 11, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. There he's quoting from Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Now, catch what he says here. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ... Now, now, now think about this for a moment, um, because this is the good news. 
Well, when you, you know, when you, when you sh- talk about the good news, you have to start with the bad news, don't you? We're, we're separated from God by our sin. And we owe a debt that is far greater than we can ever pay. It's like being stuck in Ur of the Chaldees with no way out. You're a pagan in a pagan land and there is no hope. It's like that except worse. But here's the good news. (laughs) There is a way out. Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. So so what we're getting into now, this this is the good news that God preached to Abraham... (laughs) Beforehand, that is before all these things came to be. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as it is, for it is written, rather, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the nations or to the Gentiles. The ethnos, all of the the ethnic groups of the world, all the tribes. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith, or as I said earlier, that can also be so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, or what the Spirit promised, through faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us, so that in Christ, that's important by the way, so that in Christ, never apart from Him, never separate from Him, never... Um, anything in place of Him, never anything alongside of Him. It's always in Him, in Christ. So that in Christ, when you, when you, when you think about blessing from God, inheritance from God, favor with God, right relationship with God, always in Christ. Okay? You say, now wait a minute, Genesis 12 says in Abram. We're getting to that. <laughs> It's always in Christ. Never, ever apart from Christ. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to us. So that those of us who believe can receive, experience, know the blessings promised to Abraham. That's why Christ became a curse. That's why He redeemed us from the curse of the law so that you and I could receive or inherit the blessings of Abraham. Or, you could say, the blessings that the Spirit promised to Abraham. Now let's go just a little further here. We're almost done. Verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Remember that? That's, that is um, Genesis 12, 7. 
Genesis 12, 7 that we read just a little while ago. Paul's reflecting on that. Here's where the promises were made. The promise of the Spirit. The promises that Christ died so that we could receive. The promises were made to Abraham. That is, the promises of blessing. The promises of entering into a blessed state. A blessed relationship with the true and living God. The promise of inheritance. Remember he said to Abraham, to your seed I'm giving this land. The promise of inheritance. The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring or seed. Now, I like precision. I think Paul likes precision. We're going to see an example of that here. Paul's exegetical work here. And he goes on to say, it does not say, now he's referring back to Genesis 12, 7. It does not say, and to seeds, plural, offsprings. Because when you think of offspring, and Paul's not trying to trick us here. I mean, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense in which the plurality is true. I'm going to show you that in a moment. But there's another sense in which it must be singular. And, and isn't it interesting, by the way, that, um, I mean, you just think in terms of interpreting Scripture rightly. And isn't, isn't it interesting that, that the Apostle Paul would, would, uh, would, would show us here how important it is that this one word is singular and not plural. And he bases the doctrine that he's presenting here, uh, he, he bases on that, that fact. One word. One Hebrew word, the singular form of it. The word is seed or offspring, but not plural. It does not say, and to offsprings or to seeds, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring or to your seed, who is Christ. So, first, Paul says, here's what it says to you, Abram, and to your seed, singular. And then here's Paul's interpretation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who is Christ? In other words, that seed, that offspring that the promises were made to, Paul says, is Christ. So, way back in Genesis 12, verse 3 and verse 7... The Spirit of God is preaching the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ beforehand, before any of it is taking place, to Abram. Abram, in you, all the tribes of the earth will be blessed. Abram, to you and your seed, singular, I'm given an inheritance. I'm given this land. And Paul says that seed is Christ. Now, this is what I'm saying. This is my point. This is the point of the Scripture. The blessings that God pronounces on Abraham that extend to every people group of the earth, I suppose, all tribes. And that's certainly the way it's represented in the book of Revelation in the end. 
people from all tribes, every tongue, tribe, nation, standing before the throne, worshiping the one who sits on the throne and the Lamb. The blessings, the blessed state of living in right relationship to the living God and the promise of inheritance. And by the way, that's we, we mentioned that in Sunday school, but um, that geographic location in the Middle East is a type, a shadow, a foreshadowing of a greater inheritance that we have in Christ. And so, ultimately, the blessing of the land is not fulfilled in Israel inheriting that plot of land over there. Ultimately, it is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Our promised land is heaven, and heaven is being in the presence of Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's the inheritance that we have to look forward to. It's going to be revealed, Peter says, at the last day, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. That's the inheritance that we're looking for. The promises of blessing and inheritance are to the seed, singular. And that seed is Christ. And, Paul says in verse 29, look down at verse 29, and if you are Christ, and by the way, that that is what matters. Not, are you Jewish? Are you circumcised? No, anything. I mean, you put fill in the blank. Are you? No. What matters is, are you Christ? Do you belong to Him? Are you in Him? Has, has He called you out of idolatry? Out of your own land where, like those who were building the Tower of Babylon, you seek your own glory? Ha, has He called you out of a lifestyle of self-seeking? Self-glorification. Where everything is about pursuing whatever exalts me. Has He called you out of that into a blessed relationship with Him as a child of God? If you are Christ, Paul says, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So what I'm saying is this, and what Paul is saying is this. When God spoke to Abraham and said, in you all the tribes of the earth will be blessed, what he was saying was, Jesus is coming from your line, from your lineage. There's, there's, going, there's one coming through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all the tribes of the earth... And that's the only one. There's not another way. It's in you. It's coming from your seed. Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through David, all the way down to Jesus. And that's where it stops. So that Paul says in Corinthians, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. And when he says... To your seed I will give the inheritance. I will give the land. Then it was the land. 
as I said, ultimately, um, it is the blessed eternal state, the inheritance of eternal life. That, again, is through Christ. And what Paul is saying to the Galatians, the same thing hopefully I'm communicating to you this morning, is that the only way that those promises are realized is through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting in Christ. God's call to Abraham was a call to repentance. He had to leave one land for another one. It works the same way with us. He calls us to leave behind sin and follow Him. Follow His lead. Hear, and what, what does the Scripture say? Abraham did as the Lord said, right? Hear His Word. Do as He says. And it's a call to an inheritance. Brothers and sisters, listen, in fact, listen. Um, you, there's, we're like Abraham. We're, we're living in, a, we're, we're living in the, a land of promise in one sense. And I'm talking about this material world right now. Uh, because it, it's going to be ours. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we inherit. <laughs> Where God's going to do the... Uh, I mean, you talk about extreme makeover. There's going to be an extreme makeover. And that's what you and I look forward to. Where we will be with the Lord forever. That's our inheritance. To be with Christ. And we, we know it now, just like Abraham was promised the land, but he lived as a sojourner, as a stranger in a land that was promised to him. And so we live in a world that ultimately we're going to inherit, and yet we live here as strangers. But the day's coming. The day's coming when every enemy will be put down. In fact, the last one being death will be put under the feet of Christ, and you and I will know as children of God eternal life in its fullest and final expression. All the promises in Him are yes and amen. We are blessed. If you're in Christ, if we're in Christ, we are blessed with Abraham. Would you stand, please? And it's because of what Jesus has done in our behalf. Let's pray. Um, Dan, would you mind leading us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed.